And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy The Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Mr. Scott, shall we give the Enterprise a proper shakedown? I would say it's time for that, sir. I... Before this drama unfolds, we give welcome to the ones named Kirk and Spock. You! What planet is this? Which one of you is the captain? Do we violate the treaty, Captain? Sir, someone is stealing the Enterprise. What are you scratching at? <laughs> Humans make illogical decisions. Instruction sequence completed and engaged. No! Yes, I found the spot. I'm talking the spot to the sand. Welcome to Star Trek Monthly Monday, number 57. This is the old school, the original series episode, one of two, a little duo of episodes we put out every month, the other one being the next generation. I am Chris (coughs) Honeywell, (laughs) pardon me, I'm choking on my energy drink, which Scott Gardner is going to be glad to hear, and speaking of, fresh from the dentist, Mr. Scott Gardner. No, 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 it's in human. Were you strapped down to the, the dentist chair? Did he have like a little light over you that was just going like... Rum, rum, rum. It, was, it was a girl. Nice. The girl dentist. The dentist. Was it a hot dentist? Like a hot dentist? No, she's really not. That's, that's the only problem. I mean, she's not, you know, like hideous or anything, but, you know, she's not not my type. But she she's nice. She's very nice. But, uh, yeah, not my favorite thing to do. But So do you still hey, got your Novocaine working? I do. I, that's, I do. That's the thing is I'm absolutely starving to death, but I'm afraid to eat anything because I don't want to end up like biting my lower lip off or something. Or just so. dribbling it down your chin. Are you going to be like flush mouth? I got a ketchup bottle in my back pocket too, just for the occasion. You're going to need a drool cup under your chin. Is this episode <laughs> going to be called The Trouble with Dribbles? <laughs> You've been waiting all day to say that. Haven't I, well, you? no, just the last ten or fifteen minutes, so but I did jot it down to make sure I didn't say it. 
<laughs> now that you mention it. <laughs> uh, oh, no, it's it's actually it's rapidly wearing off. So by the end of the episode, I should be pretty good. But if I have a slight lisp or just sound a little Start off, I'm in pain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, well, I, I took some meds ahead of time just to kind of ward off any uh, anything that might start to creep up on me. But I, I had to be too. all right. But I do that all the time. <laughs> you do that Sit every my episode. house. Stuff can creep new. up on you all the time here. <laughs> you always have to be prepared. Well, the good thing about it was is that I wasn't hurting going into the dentist, so it was kind of like a um, preemptive thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So that was the good thing about it. I didn't go in there like, I'm dying, you know, cure me. So With your face going like... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Been there, done that. Me Not too. a lot of fun. Yep, that yeah. that that's when once I did that, I was pretty much done doing that forever and ever and ever. <laughs> no fun. But, but you know, I will say this: anything <laughs> that we talk about Star Trek this month will be better than pulling teeth. I'm glad to <laughs> this say. is true. That for a change, yes, this is this is actually true. Because I don't know about, I don't want to speak for you because we have not discussed this prior, so I, I'm not exactly sure. But in my case, I like pretty much everything that we're going to be talking about this month for Star Trek. So, and and that's been a while because we've we've had a couple of turkeys lately, and of course, you know, there's always the uh, the newest theatrical releases to bitch about. So <laughs> it's, it's be nice not to you know not to have it be like pulling teeth or getting a root canal or anything. So that'll be nice. I I liked everything too, but there actually there was some stuff that I was wondering if I was liking it because it was gonna just give us some good fodder to talk about it. You know, there's um, if you're if you're talking specifically about the funny book, yes, yeah, the funny book yeah. is just like made for it's it's, yes. it's like a payoff for us actually in a way. <laughs> yes, we did cover <laughs> yes, it last it. month on the show when I had uh, when Scott McGregor was gracious enough to get dragged over into my house <laughs> last month, and uh, and then I read the comic and I was like, you know what. I don't think he's read all the, the, the 40 issues up to this, so I don't think he's going to appreciate what happens at the end of this, like Scott and I are going to, and I figured you'd probably kill me if we did this one without you, so. <laughs> Isn't that fun doing that, by the way? Just just grabbing some poor schmuck and just dragging him in? Because I, I imagine that this is Someday the... you're going to have some street person who's just babbling about <laughs> Saturn or something. You know? okay. See, I imagine that, that this is like... The, the the early 21st century equivalent of back in the 40s when the gangster car would just pull up and a bunch of guys would pour out with Tommy guns and go, hey, stupid, get in the car, you know, and take you for a ride. <laughs> it's kind of the same thing, you know? You just you call up a buddy and you shanghai him, and the next thing they know, they're on a podcast. Podcasting, cool. yeah, podcasting from a van, you know, that's on the right. road. You just go to different <laughs> cities and kidnap different people every day. That I would like be, I bet idea. you would get a lot of downloads on that, but you'd have to keep moving. Yeah, I think we just probably made one of those government watch. Well, I, you're, I'm sure you're already Whatever. on it. Me, no, <laughs> Thanks, but yeah. By the time yeah. they get to this page, they're already going to be like nearsighted, cross-eyed, and like half deranged from reading through the rest of the file. So <laughs> why not? You know, now every time there's a missing persons in either you know Rochester or Orlando area, they're going to be like, "Why well, have you checked two true freaks lately?" So, thanks for that. <laughs> <But> anyway, <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, well, think about like our horror podcasts and all the keywords in there. Oh, they must God, think that thanks. we're like cannibals or something like that. <laughs> hey, listen, we started. Now this is this episode hasn't aired yet, but we recorded it. But um, I know the other two guys won't care if I mention this on the air because we sort of want to get people to do this. Um, you know, the Sci-Fi Channel does uh, um, Sharknado and. Just basically movies based. Sharkadile. Yeah, basically movies named named after a title. Right. Now we don't have the story, and maybe the basest of concepts, but we got a title for the Sci-Fi Channel. So if anybody feels like going to the suggestions box at Sci-Fi and mentioning this title for a movie, all right, you remember the Cannonball Run? Yeah. Okay, this is going to be a zombie version of it called. Cannibal Run. <laughs> Cannibal Run. Yeah, I yeah, like with, that. I with like that. zombie Burt Reynolds and zombie Dom DeLuise, you know. <laughs> I like this idea. Don't you think? You don't really have to do anything but just give it to sci-fi and let them pay some hack writers to come up with a story around it because people are going to watch it just like, and, you know. And... I like that idea just to see how much of a train wreck, uh, train wreck, uh, Cannibal Two would Cannibal be Run Two, yeah, yeah, because exactly. you know that that yeah, yeah, Cannibal Run Two. So, <laughs> all right, I do like this idea. Yeah, I'm trying to reach out to all our listeners. On I know there's listeners for different shows that don't listen to our other shows, but this is one of those ideas that just. I want to see it so bad, and I. Well, while we're on it, the subject, I'm sorry, Star Trek folks, you're just gonna have to to bear with us a moment longer while we tangent like crazy. But uh, you know, while you're on the subject, I was thinking about something. Uh, Halloween night, as a matter of fact, have you guys ever considered um, doing? I don't know, an episode or a series or anything about the Hammer horror films. Oh yeah. Oh, we've talked about that uh, quite a bit. Because I sat Halloween night and I watched um, a movie I've never seen before. You you know me and how often I have raved about one of my favorite horror movies from the old days is Curse of Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. So I've watched that one a million times. I didn't want to sit and watch it again just because, you know, I, I saw it not I've long ago. It. And I was thinking, well, you know, there, I know there's more in that series. Now, I, I've loved that film all these years without really knowing anything about it. So I did a little bit of research turns out not only is that the first one in the in the uh, Fran, uh, Frankenstein hammer series it was the first hammer horror film I mean the genuine like monster the horror film stopped, it kind of started that yeah, yeah it started the whole thing yeah kind of jump started the whole thing it kind of jump started both uh, Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee's careers too which I had no idea I thought they were you know big stars by that point no it kind of was you know where they got their start so I thought that was really cool. So anyway, you know, I was doing some some homework on it and everything. And a long time ago, I got myself a copy of the next film and had just never watched it. And the next one is um, Revenge of Frankenstein. And I've been curious to watch it, but I was nervous to watch it because I didn't want it to chip anything away from Curse. Because I really love that movie. Anyway, to spoil a little bit, at the end of Curse, Frankenstein, the doctor, not the monster is sentenced to the guillotine and we see him dragged out at the end of the movie and you don't see the actual beheading but i'm if i'm not mistaken i think the movie ends where you see the guillotine fall and that's pretty much the end of the movie 
Well, revenge starts right where that leaves off with him going to the guillotine. And then it's funny because, you know, it's, it's one of those old timey movie things where they start to put him into the guillotine and then like the camera pans away and you see the, the guillotine fall. Well, the next thing you know, he's still kicking. He's still around. And it's like, well, what happened? Well, they pulled a fast one, essentially, and he's rescued at the last minute by this guy that essentially wants him to make him a new body because he's, you know, a deformed freak. And so I watched this and I was like, (laughs) nothing personal. And so I watched this movie and not as good, but still pretty interesting. And it got me to thinking that I really, you know, I really want to start watching more of these movies. And like I said, I was doing like a reading project. I posted this up on Facebook, the link that I was reading, talking about all these different Hammer films. And not only do I really want to watch a lot of them, but as I'm looking down the list, I'm like, you know, some of these movies started to tickle my brain because for a lot of years I've been trying to find... Uh, a movie that I remember seeing as a kid, but I didn't remember much about it. But I knew that it was something similar to like Phantom of the Opera, but the guy was living like underground and like Doctor Vibes, was something like that. No, His but voice I, no, came through a microphone, maybe like a, no, a mask. No, but I, yeah, I think he did have a mask. But I think I might have found it. I, Hammer did Phantom of the Opera. But it was um, Herbert Lom was the Ooh. Phantom. And I think that might be it. So I kind of wanted to see if I can track that down and find it. But it just got me to thinking that... Kill Clouseau. I know, isn't that? I, I, I had no idea that he'd ever you know, been in something like that. So it just got me to thinking that I'd really like to check it, you know, check more of these movies out. But I wondered if, you know, anybody that's actually on the horror show oh, had yeah. had the same idea or would be interested in something like that. Yeah. I think that could be a lot of fun. Well, I've, I've I know wanting... that you guys like to look at runs, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, well, I've been you know, wanting to watch the. You see, I bet you Luke has watched a lot. Uh, probably all of them have watched a lot of them more recently than me. I watched them when I was a kid. Exactly. Yeah. So I, don't I really liked, her. and the some that I thought were really cheesy or stupid or just outrageous. Well, they started out really good, and then of course, as right. they got closer to the to late '60s, early '70s, and movies became more about you know tits and violence and all that, then those movies adapted. Oh yeah. And so you know what's like Dracula, for example, started out very much you know classic Dracula, but by the end of it, you know Dracula was. You know, there's a mod in the seventies with a lot in vampire yeah. ladies and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, terrible, <laughs> terrible. What happened to them? Hammer films and the lesbian vampire. <laughs> but I'd like to see them as an adult because I usually find that a lot of those movies, a lot of the ones that I didn't like, I like a lot more as an adult, and vice versa with the ones that I thought were really cool. So I would like to see. I remember seeing, I think it was Dracula Has Risen from the Grave. That's one of them, um, yeah. There was one of the Frankenstein, it was like Frankenstein's bloody horror or something <laughs> like that. Or, it started out, it must have been the end of the movie before it because there was a big fire in a house with, with the monster running out. But I and I saw a lot of the Dracula, like Dracula 1972 AD. I think it was right. Just, yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, really 70s and wankachank <laughs> type of thing, and and bloody, 
And yeah, I'd just like to see a lot of them. Some of them just had ridiculous things like uh, Dracula getting killed by the spokes of a wagon wheel. And so, you know, they had to come up with creative kills and stuff and reflected light and, you know, all different creative ways to kill him at the end of each one. So, yeah, there's definitely been talk about that. And I'm sure we'll eventually we'll eventually hit that. It sounds like we're going to do a bunch of when we finish up Italy and Friday the 13th, which we're getting close to. That we'll probably do like a bunch of short runs, like the Phantasm films, ones with three or four, right? You know, and uh, before biting off another run, but Hammer's a strong contender for a for the near future on the Horror Vault for sure. Well, I'd definitely be interested. Cool. Have you but, let the right one in yet? That's a Hammer film. Is it? Mm-hmm. I have not seen that one. <clears throat> I have not there seen indeed. that. But this is not a horror podcast. It's a Star Trek podcast. It's just because we didn't, we haven't, uh, I've been so busy, I haven't even had a chance to uh, even talk to anybody about Star Trek, much less. Yeah, <laughs> Star I, uh, Trek yeah, I have experience since last time is the homework I did for this show, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's not, not much new in the world of Trek for me either. I haven't gotten any, you know, new books or anything like that, so no. Not so much. So this was fun. This was this was nice to be able to, you know, focus on some older episodes again and get my Star Trek fix that I haven't had for, gosh, mm-hmm. for me, it's been a couple of months. So mm-hmm. this was cool. Well, are we ready to go ahead and dive right into this one then? Yes. All right. So for this episode, the TOS episode, we are going to look at the classic episode called Metamorphosis. <laughs> Ship's log, Lieutenant Commander Scott recording an absence of Captain Kirk. The shuttlecraft Galileo is now definitely overdue for its rendezvous with the Enterprise. Captain, what's happening? I demand to know. We've got to get Miss Hedford back to the Enterprise. We'll do what we can when we can. At the moment, we're helpless. Bones, get a physiological reading on that, whatever it is. Would you please explain exactly what this companion of yours is? I told you, I don't know what it is. You'll find I have a very low tolerance level where the safety of my people are concerned. We find you out here where no human has any business being. No, I don't want to die. It will scramble every electrical impulse the creature can produce. So, the synopsis for this one out of the Nitpicker's Guide for Classic Trekkers reads thusly. It says, On the shuttle Galileo, Kirk, Spock, and McCoy transport Assistant Federation Commissioner Nancy Hedford, who's a complete bitch, by the way, back to the Enterprise. She suffers from a rare and fatal disease. I didn't know bitchitis was fatal, but should be. Suddenly, an energy cloud appears, grabs the shuttle, and brings it down on a planetoid. They are surprised to discover that Zephram Cochran, the inventor of warp drive, lives here. More than 150 years ago, he set out in a craft intent on dying in space. As he passed uh, by this planet, the energy cloud, a being Cochran calls the Companion, drew him down. Somehow it restored his youth and has provided him these many years, excuse me, provided for him these many years. Watching Cochran and the Companion together, Kirk soon guesses that the energy cloud cares for him. 
Cochran then explains the reason for the capture of the shuttle. He had told the companion that he was about to die of loneliness, so the companion brought him friends. Aww. Kirk tries to reason with the companion, arguing that it can never truly love Cochran without being human. Moments later, a fully recovered Headford appears. The companion has merged with her, giving up immortality for a chance to experience true love. Uh-huh. When Headford states, <laughs> when Headford states that everyone is free to go, Cochran stays behind. He wants to grow old with this one who sacrificed so much for him. Duh, and have three ways for the rest of his life. <laughs> technically, you know, speaking, way. speaking of technically, now I, I don't want to, I don't want to soil the thing right from the get go because I really like this episode. <laughs> I actually like it more. The, every time I watch this, I like it more and more because when I was a kid, I thought this one was really this slow. Was a this was a, yeah. like when it came on. I was like, oh, okay, whatever. Yeah. But now, you know, as I'm older, every time I see it, I'm always, you know, I appreciate it anew. However, I caught something this time around that I never really thought about before. I think Hedford died. Mm-hmm. I think she actually expired. And the companion, if you really pay attention to the companion's dialogue, I think the companion's kind of hedging on the fact that, eh, she kind of expired and I'm just going to use the body I now. merged with her body. Right, yes. yeah. Did well, you catch that too? I, I didn't. I wondered about that because there was nothing of her left. You know, there was no. You know, there wasn't any of her. And and like you said, she was she was a strong woman. And having the, the companion take over half her consciousness might have been like, hey, what the hell? You know, there might have been a little bit of you know. I, I noticed that when, you know, she's going to have to stay on this planet, nobody went, you know, well, you know, what does she want? You know, <laughs> can you, right. you know, is that now the companion is keeping her on the planet, too, with Zephram Cop. Cochran. That's a good point. Yeah, I never you even know, thought and, and, la- and, and she's going to some important thing. You know, it's a big deal to get her from to to this peace conference or whatever to work out to avert a war and at the end kirk just blows it off he goes ah they'll find some other broad to do it you know yes exactly basically what he, what he says, says you know <laughs> ah, there's some other hot chick out there who can flutter her eyelids at the you know whatever alien species that probably doesn't find humans attractive anyway so yeah yeah it was a weird there was a nice vein of 60s sexism in this episode you know as were the times where kirk's like oh it's a woman yeah well listen the computer's figured out it's a woman's voice it's a woman i'll talk to it now right you know (laughs) it's a lady captain oh i know i'm way ahead of you mr spock i'm already kirk's the one that that instantly puts it together that you know because the, the cloud just comes over and and basically settles over Cochrane. Mm-hmm. Now, for one, that that's all there is to the visual. The mm-hmm. cloud just it, mm-hmm. it looks like a giant gumdrop or a giant piece of like. I uh, have a theory of what it was in the '60s at a at a hippies psychedelic Grateful Dead show. Part <laughs> of the light show became conscious because there were so many hippies tripping on LSD, and then it found its way into space. You know, but it was confused. Because it was a '60s hippy dippy 
light show, and then it settled on this planet until it found... Because that's what it looks like. It looks like those oil gel things that they... Projections that they used to do. Right, yeah, yeah. Mixed in the background of like, Yeah, like in the background of a video or something yeah. like that. Yeah, you're right. I watched on StarTrek.com, so I don't think I saw the, the souped-up version. I think I saw it all... Ooh, that was nice, cool. too. The the souped-up one is actually really nice. But, you know, it, it occurred to me that the visual is not that far off from the, original. the cloud creature that, that was killing people in mm-hmm. Obsession. Yeah, which so, should have put Kirk right on the alert. Right. Now, granted, I think that episode is after this one, but at the same rate, the events from Kirk's youth would have still happened prior so, it's just one of those continuity things that bug me a little bit. There's a couple of them that show up in this show, but one of them is completely forgivable because it's not the show's fault <laughs> that it's a discontinuitous in it. And that's Cochran, who, by the way, looks like Billy Jack. Looks like what was Charles <laughs> yeah, he does or actually. whatever. Um, he's from Alpha Centauri. And right. instead of an Earthman, you know, oh, Zephyr and Cochran of Cochran. It does not fit with the, you know, the next generation movie. And, but also he, he invented, okay, so somehow, okay, if he invented the warp drive and he was on Alpha Centauri, what does that see, mean? Did How did he see, get to Alpha I... Centauri before he... How did we get humans to Alpha Centauri, or wasn't he? Is he not a human? You know. See the way I heard this explained, and I have no idea whether this is considered official canon or not. You know, in quotation marks. But the way I heard it explained was that he is an Earth man. He's from Earth, but Kirk's reference to Zephram Cochran of Alpha Centauri was like. He invented the warp drive and then settled on Alpha Centauri. Yeah, exactly. You know, because he opened up interstellar travel, that became like, you know, his his residence or where he was hailed or whatever, you know, like, you know, like when uh, that works for me, Lucky Lindy went to Paris, you know, and like if he had stayed there and become a Parisian or so, I don't know, that that was kind of the idea, I guess, behind the whole thing. See, I was nervous to bring up the whole next gen thing because. I feel like I take a lot of crap about my attitude about that movie. I know everybody else in the friggin' world loves that movie, First Contact. I really don't. I have major issues with that movie. Probably my biggest ones being involving Zephram Cochran. I love the fact that they incorporated Zephram Cochran into that movie. I really do. I, I think it was a wonderful nod, and I think it was a good attempt to try to use a little bit of established Trek continuity. I'll give them that. I, you know, I appreciate that as a Trek fan. However, the, you know, forgiving the fact that they cast James friggin' Cromwell in the part, you know, forgiving the fact that he doesn't look anything like uh, Glenn Jack. Corbett. Who, who, yeah. Well, I always, you know, I always thought he looked a lot like a cross between, like, Lee Majors and Gil Gerard. Mm-hmm. Because, mm-hmm. to me, he has a classic astronaut look to him he looks yes. like space chuck yeager and that's what i like about him that's what bugs me in first contact is that not only do you have a completely different actor not only do 
you have an actor that doesn't look physically the least bit like that actor, like Glenn Corbett, you know, even aged or de-aged or anything, just nothing like him. The characterization is just flat wrong. Because, again, in this, you have a very classic, you know, 60s-style astronaut yeah. type of guy. Type A personality. You know, yeah, exactly. You know, a, a fighter pilot or a test pilot type of attitude. He's he's proto-Kirk-like. But then again, he's and also got, really old, so his personality might have changed over the years. Or, that's or... true, but still, I mean, you take Cochran as he is in First Contact, and honestly... Well, that's him in I mean, decline too. You you know me. You know that I'm I'm all about you know doing the the no prize, but yeah. I, I I just don't think you can no prize. I really don't. He just seems so incredibly different to me. The the only part of it that I that can possibly be salvaged to me is I do like at the end of the episode where he you know he says to Kirk, please don't tell him I'm here. You know, don't don't mention me in this whole thing because. That was kind of incorporated into First Contact, that attitude of he didn't want fame yeah. and fortune. He didn't want to be a statue. I, I kind of like that idea. And like I say, I do he, appreciate what they tried to do in that movie. I just think that they colossally failed. He was just kind of happy that his work had ended in, you know, them la- the shuttlecraft landing there, you know? He, right. And that he was happy that his that he... he he doesn't need to see the statues. I'll, just the report he heard from Kirk, and it's like, you're known all over the whole galaxy, man, all over the known universe, you know? Right. So that was, that, that was fine for him, you know? And he was like, oh, okay. But then he hadn't gotten laid in a long <laughs> time. Man, what a, and 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 actually sort of syncing up with the comic later, what a, what a space bigot, huh? <laughs> he's just like ew that thing likes me and it's like you haven't figured it out in what 150 200 years or something like that you know <laughs> that the thing was kind of macking on you and i like how kirk described how the thing he's just like can't you see how lovingly it it communicates with him and it's like no <laughs> <laughs> it just sort of hovers there while he stands there if he was like sort of going like ooh or whatever, you know, maybe I'd be a little uncomfortable, but he just sort of stands there in the standard sort of like psychic talking, like you would even see in Marvel comics, you know, where they're just sort of standing there with their arms at their side. <laughs> so I was wondering where Kirk was getting his his flowery description of their communication process, because I was right, yeah. seeing it. Yeah, Spock says that because he says something about, you know, well, when she talks to you and she's soft and blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking we didn't hear her speak to Cochrane. Exactly. And he's a Vulcan. So if, if, if it should be really obvious if he's interpreting it and I didn't hear it. You know, accepting the fact that we have some great and I mean truly great classic trio shots in this movie if you know what i mean right. you know some great kirk spock mccoy moments especially when kirk comes charging out of the su- shuttlecraft for the first time with his phaser in hand and then spock and mccoy come up behind him <laughs> and they stand side by side that's a classic yeah. shot that they used in that great great uh teaser trailer to star trek 6 the undiscovered country that i used to love and watch all the time i, I always liked that shot accepting the fact that you know there's shots like that in this episode I think Spock gives a very poor showing in this episode 
not Nimoy necessarily, but the character of Spock, because he does several really stupid things in this episode. He has that line of dialogue we just talked about. He also, when the creature appears, what does he instantly do? Puts his hand in it. Mm-hmm. And then it shocks the shit out of him and knocks him unconscious, which is really dumb. You know, he does the same thing with the cloud creature in Obsession. You know, it starts coming through the grate, so he tries to stop it by putting his hands over a grate. Yeah, I'd, which love is to just leave, dumb. I'd like to leave him in a room with some light plugs and a fork and be just like, hey, <laughs> 10 minutes and see what happened. But then there was, uh, oh, crap, I'm trying to remember. There was there was another one that, ah, oh, what was the other one that he did that was really, oh, I know what it was. Okay, so, you know, they, they meet Cochran, and all he gives him is the, the last name, right? Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I was thinking to myself, is that enough? You know, should they be able to put that together? Because Kirk already says, you know, this guy seems really familiar, mm-hmm. you know? And, you know, granted, you know, as we get further and further ahead in time, you know, are people going to be able to look back at a picture of, of Lindbergh or Jaeger or the astronauts? And, you know, if they suddenly met them, would they recognize? I, I can get that. But they might but have seen a given picture name, once in a history book. So, yeah, it could right. ring a bell, whatever. Yeah. And Spock is supposed to be this walking encyclopedia. And you know, usually walk- is. And, well, as soon as they know who he is for sure, then all of a sudden Spock's got like his his entire biography memorized well, and is spouting all these facts. And I'm thinking, well, if you're so versed on this guy, why the hell didn't you recognize well, or him? Say you know? so, or maybe he's just Spock and he just waits. To, he doesn't say anything. Yeah. Hey, remember how well versed Spock was on OK Corral? period right. earth history right. and you'd think Zephram Cochran would be way more pertinent to their world you know as far as a historical figure you know like earth cowboy history to a Vulcan is just you know if, if, if it's something that appeals to you or you're curious about it's not something like okay you must learn this about human development well, you know, one we've of been the big things would be TV. the warp drive that you were going to learn so We've yeah. been beaming TV signals out into space since what, like the fifties now. Sure. So maybe like on Vulcan because of that delay, they're getting like old episodes of like Gunsmoke for you know like the last twenty years or something. So he's really versed. Captain, I, I don't it's know. Little it's really John, <laughs> whatever his name was. I I didn't really watch, it, but I just Austin Pfeffer and yeah. I just remember that's what what uh, Randy called whatever the big guy was on. Uh, on that show, that's what he called Jim Lunderman. Hoss. Hoss. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Hey, this episode was a photo novel. Did you have this one? I do. I, I think I had it. I don't know if I still do. I, I forgot to check and see if I have it or not, but I know I did have it at one time. It's one of those great... It's what. It's weird that this is one of the ones that... Well, it's a good one. It's a good story. Mm-hmm. But it's a weird photo novel one because it's like it's not very visual, you know. No. It it has some neat visuals in it, but they basically just happen over and over again, you know. It's and there's not a lot of action to it. It has a lot to do with like dialogue and and stuff like that, which is an unusual, you know. It doesn't translate that well into a photo novel, so it's kind of a clunker of a photo novel. But as a small budget episode, you know, on a couple sets with a bit of filler, all that stuff on the enterprise. Meanwhile, on the enterprise ends up just being useless filler. It could, didn't have to be in there at all, you know? It, right. But, um, it, 
I'm, I'm trying to think where I was going with it. It's one of those ones where, yeah, they don't need a lot of special effects or anything to tell the story. And it's funny because it was reminding me of when I was a little kid and like I would go up the road to Carl Carpinetti's place and we'd walk around his farm like around all the old junk machinery and the old barns where nobody was and play Star Trek, you know, and uh, come up with scenarios of the planet we were exploring. And they always the scenarios always came out sort of like episodes like this because you just had limited stuff to work with, you know, so you had to put it together into some sort of story and act it out around it. Right. So so a lot of them were like finding someone who was stranded in on some planet or looking for, you know. So that that, that was... It, it was cool to see this one because it was reminding me of like when I was actually... I remember playing Star Trek with, with um, Carl Carpinetti... And the other, like, big Star Trek memory I have was even further back when I had to be, like, five or six. And I had one of those phaser guns with the battery phaser guns that made the... Yeah. And it had some sort of mechanical thing in it that made that noise. And uh, I remember just running around my backyard, blasting the (laughs) hell out of everything. You guys were talking last episode uh, about like what was you know like what's your earliest Star Trek memory or like what was the first episode you ever saw or whatever and I was racking my brains about that and I think I think the very first one I I can remember ever seeing was at my grandparents' place you know my my, my gardener grandparents uh-huh. and it being on and I'm pretty sure it was um uh oh crap what's the one where Kirk and Spock fight. Um, <laughs> you mean? Damn, what's the name of that episode? The Far. Yeah, yeah. Oh, where they go back to Vulcan and oh, there's like Arena, not Arena. Are- no, not Arena. That's that's what I started. Arena's to say with the Quatlus, I think. Yeah. Um. Oh my God, the 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 one. Uh, it's because it's a mock time. That's mock it. A mock time. Yeah, the, that's the, it. Yeah, yeah, there was like classic ones. <laughs> every listener was like going, "A mock time, you dumbass! A mock time!" They're driving off the road. <laughs> fist into their CD player, punching it repeatedly. Ah, mock time! Idiots! Office window and screaming out the window. Oh, mock time! Crashed into the side of the thruway, and the cop pulls over and, "What are you thinking, dude? These guys did not know a mock time." <laughs> Thank God they're in another state, man, or I'd hunt them down myself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> trying to think what else I got. I took a million notes on this one, but there's a bunch of stuff that's like, eh, I'm trying to find the ones that are like real. Well, I, here's one. I think after, just after the episodes that we've watched so far, and granted they've been all out of order or what, but just given basically half of the series that we've done at this point, mm-hmm. I don't think I'd ever, ever, ever volunteer for a shuttle mission again. <laughs> no. They can't ever seem to take the damn thing even out of the hangar bay and not have an incident with it, right? Every time they take one out, something happens. So no no shuttle missions for me. Thank you very much. Can we can we put that in my file or something? I know. McCoy's always griping about the, the transporter. Seems like your odds are much better there in the, the you know. At least they didn't have you know, giant Ringo stars chucking spears and rocks at him. 
And I, I do love that. I also figured out a new Dr. McCoy thing that's that almost could have been a he's dead Jim, but I don't think people have picked up on it. I just I just thought this. He says this a lot. You're killing them. You're killing them. <laughs> Can't you see you're killing them? There's he's said a lot of different variations of that in a lot of episodes. Well, plus in this one, he says, uh, he goes, I'm a doctor, not a scientist. I'm pretty sure there's another episode where he says, I'm a scientist, something, something. So <laughs> hopefully we haven't done that one yet, because when it comes along, I'm going to point, I'm going to be like, ah, yeah, see, but spa- that's where Spock should go. Aha, I'm calling bullshit on you right now. <laughs> uh huh. Who's the half breed now? You're the half wit. Better a half breed than a half wit. <laughs> he should have used that line. That's a good line. Yeah, he should have. I like uh, Cochran's line where he says, uh, "How would you like to go to sleep for 150 years and wake up? What does he say? Wake up something. Wake up a man out of time." I think he says. Now, granted, that's not what happens, but Kirk does jump ahead in time. What, like 80 years? Which I thought yeah. was very ironic when you look at the, you know, the the big picture of Trek and the whole thing. That I'm something similar it does kind of happen. It's like Rumpelstiltskin or something. <laughs> um. The uh, the thing with the with the companion coming and, and hovering over uh, um, Cochran, the way they communicate reminded me a lot of the uh, the finale of the motion picture with Decker and Ilea merging together as well. Mm-hmm. Plus, mm-hmm. you know, and plus when when the companion does merge with whatever the hell her name was, is again very similar to uh, to that merging as well. So Roddenberry, I think he, he just likes people merging together. Well, I like how he has, like, she's like, I want to take my shoes off and walk in the grass and blah, 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 with you next to me. And Kirk's like, we'll just leave you to it. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, that's basically, that was that was Kirk's argument, is that in every way I would possibly just, I could. I would be like, what about the doctor, what about our uh, diplomat inside of you? What thinks she <laughs> right. about that, you know? Because, well, you know, in, in every way that he possibly could in the 60s, without coming straight out and saying, well, you know, you can never boink him. You know, he yes. he pretty much uses the you, you can't do it argument. You which, can't be a which, real companion. Right. You know, which, you know, I'm going to have to call bullshit on that. As much as I love Kirk and I love Kirk's logic. They've been and, functioning that way for what? 150, 200 years. Exactly. I mean, you know, just because they they can't physically join means that. It can't be really real love. What about veterans who stepped on a landmine? Exactly. You know. You know? It, yeah. Exa- and and that seems a little well. Uh, I remember him like, being more of a prick and kind of deranged from when I was a kid, and I realized no, I really like this character, and he doesn't act. He acts a little selfishly, but he's sort of out of control of the situation anyway. But. He's, you know, he's he's on board with. He would have been a great addition to the show, you know, and and he actually he would have been great because he mean, would. Have, you're talking about Cochran. Cochran, yeah. I, I like. I remember not liking his character, <clears throat> or thinking that he was more. I remember before I watched this again, the resolution of it being 
you know, that Cochran was also, you know, sort of plotting to keep them there because he liked his situation or something or had been deranged from being, you know, just there alone, you know, with no other humans for so long. But no, right. not really. He was, I mean, he was a little socially awkward when, and, and that's another reason why maybe, you know, the, the, the diplomat lady might not be too into it. I mean, he offends her right off the bat by sort of being like, and I could get you a hot shower there, uh, stinky, you know, or whatever, <laughs> you know, she gets really offended over that. So, but then again, that might've been the onset of her, her fatal disease. You know, it, it might've just made her a bit testy around the edge. If you had a fatal disease where you only had a few hours countdown and, uh, and, and Kirk is kind of callous about it because, like, you know, the, the companion is diverting them in space and there's a flashing psychedelic light show on, going, you know, the Grateful Dead are playing in the background. And she's just <laughs> like, dude, I'm going to die soon if you don't get me to the ship. And he's like, hey, it's out of my hands, man. You're just going to have to go with the flow with this one. You know, I'd love to get you to the ship, man, but... What I love hey, is that. Oh, that's how it goes, man. This like companion wants to hang out. Kirk has absolutely no time for her, which I think is just awesome. The fact that she's one of those rare women that the Kirk charm just doesn't work on. So, so he Kirk just drops it. Yep, yeah, he's completely dismissive of her. Like, oh, you're gonna die? Well, okay. <laughs> <You're gonna> die, <laughs> and she doesn't want to get one last Kirk in. I'm not. Yeah, I'll attend to my ship. You know, she's got that great scene where she's laying in bed going, you know, I've never loved and nobody's ever loved me. And I was waiting for McCoy to go, you know, James Kirk's right in the next room, right? <laughs> James, yeah, he's he's like, he's like checking in his pockets. He's got some, he got the space lube. <laughs> <laughs> got my wingman in there working me. But you'd think McCoy. McCoy's kind of a player himself, but he's kind of the Weasley player that waits till even in the new actually in the in the darkness movie, when he gets, you know, alone with the, the girl that Kirk wants to scam on, he's like, Hi, I'm turning on the Southern Charm, you know. So <laughs> McCoy might should have uh done that, you know, but if they had more time to do it, but then she would have had that hots for Spock. That's how it would have worked out. <laughs> I was, you know, I mean, they could have gone in a lot of really cheesy ways with this. They could have had Kirk do a computer on the companion, except or like a mixture of computering her and what he usually does with like females uh, by romancing them, you know, so he could have romanced her and logic her and stolen her away from Cochran and some or something <laughs> like that. But, you know, it didn't go in that direction. It was a it's a really solid episode. I love I forgot all about it. I love the scene where he's talking and she's looking at him through her dress. You know, she lifts up her the front part of her dress and is looking through it. Yeah. Like she, you know, and it's like, you know, basically a copy of the pattern of the blob. I thought that was a really nice scene. It communicated a lot without her having to say anything. This actually has one of my favorite Trek moments uh, of the entire series in it where... It's just Kirk and, and Cochran alone for a moment, and they're talking. And Cochran asks him, what's it like out there? And you can see, for a moment, these guys find a commonality. And 
Kirk oh, yeah. is really excited to tell Cochran about something that really excites him. And he says, you know, we're a thousand planets and growing. And, you know, he gives his little speech and then he looks at him and he says, interested? And Cochran's <laughs> just, you know, and it's just great. I love he knows, that. Hell yeah, he's interested. Yeah, hell yeah, yeah he is. Yeah, Kirk exactly. doesn't just go, well, we've got, a, you know, the Federation and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, no, Kirk goes into full Shatner poetry mode. Yeah, and just it's like, great. A million, million worlds possibly populated. We've only just begun to yep. dip our toes into the water of space. Yeah. I love that scene. I think it's great. You want some, Cochran? You know, I'm surprised. I don't think I've ever seen any photoshops from this episode. And I was noticing yeah, well, how much the Universal Translator looks like a lightsaber hilt. So all those scenes of Kirk walking around with that thing, I'm surprised that I haven't seen any pictures out there of like a lightsaber blade sticking out of it. Because it really does. It it looks like a lightsaber hill. Well, you haven't seen it yet, have you? (laughs) You may soon. I don't know why I'm saying that, but you may. (laughs) Well, the last note I got on this is something I'm actually really curious about. What the hell is Kirk's report back to Starfleet going to say? If he can't mention, or he promised not to mention... Cochran, then how is he going to explain all this? How is he going to explain that they could just um, say some yeah, anomaly so, diverted them to the planet? And yeah, but they kind of left with a junior diplomat, and they're coming back without right, her. Right, so. right, yeah, and that, and they didn't even have a space funeral for her or something. Yeah, I wonder. And Kirk just uh, once again, he's just cavalier about it. At the end, is like, oh well, all's well that ends well. My hero's <laughs> getting lucky. What what can I say? <laughs> Andy has a secret planet he can go back to and visit Zephyr. You know, that's something they don't, like, bring up in it. It's like, couldn't somebody sneak Zephyr and Cochran a spaceship or just every once in a while have let him have a two-week vacation from the Companion? I mean, the Companion's nice and all, but don't they both right. need a little time away from each other? I mean... Why does Zephyr and Cochran, now that they're just aging regularly, why does he really have to stay on the planet? Why can't he go go for a couple weeks, give a couple lectures, get some squatloos and buy himself a nice little replicator so he can eat filet mignon with the, and, and show the companion all... He's going to have a riot with the companion because she has no experience as a physical being so once they get past all the you know the inevitable first off the bat you know x-rated stuff (laughs) you've never had a cheese omelet before oh with bacon oh my god oh my god tonight tonight we're having cheese omelets you know yeah but it's not like you know, they, they have a city they can go into and and see the sites and go to them what are they going to do once you get past, like you said, the physical stuff, it's not like she was a great conversationalist, you know? So where are they going to go in this relationship? Yeah. And and actually, she's got vacation time of a few days. Because she said, right. I, once I leave your planet, I'd start fading fast after a few days. So they could go visit, you know, parts of the universe and see stuff and... And all that, you know. Did I mean, you maybe ever they'd read... be, maybe they'd really be into gardening or something like that, <laughs> you know, or knitting or you know, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> Zephyr Cochran could sit there and design. They could bring him up. He could, he could probably spend his time. They could be bringing him technical manuals and letting him get up to date with stuff and seeing if he can't, 
you know, come up with any new innovations since he's a quantum genius of, you know, since he came up with the game-changing warp drive. You know, catch catch him up. You know, he could be very valuable to Starfleet. I mean, of, of course he's very valuable. What if somebody found Thomas Edison sitting somewhere and he's like, I'm 500 years old, you know? It's, it's, it's perfect. Well, I have, uh, I have a little reading assignment for you if you're okay. interested, because I know you like this sort of thing. Turns out that issue number 49 of Gold Key Star Trek was a sequel to this. Oh. But what I'm looking at, I'm looking at, what is this? Memory Alpha is where I found out about this. It just makes mention of it. And there's a hyperlink. So I click the hyperlink, and all the hyperlink says is, this comic is a sequel of sorts to Metamorphs. And I'm like, well, thanks for the synopsis. So no idea what it's about, but it does have... It's number uh, 49? Number 49. It has a really cool cover on it, too. I it has think a, I have CBRs of them somewhere, so... Yeah. Well, if you feel like it, read it and see if, what you think about it. Uh, see, I was going to ask you, have you ever read... There's a, a Star Trek book called Federation. I... It's got... I think I have that somewhere. It's really big. Yeah. It's a really thick old book. Yeah, it's it's got both Picard mm-hmm. and TV show Kirk on the cover. Yes. And this was a big deal when it came out because this was the first official crossover between Star Trek and Star Trek The Next Generation. It came out just prior to Generations. And as a matter of fact, it ties into Generations. Because at the very end of that book, remember, Generations hadn't come out yet. But at the end of that book, the epilogue to it is takes place after Kirk's death on the planet in Generations. And it has Picard kind of reflecting on the fact that he wished that he had time during his meeting with Kirk to discuss the events of the book, Federation. Because in the book, there's some weird gas anomaly thing or whatever, and... Kirk's Enterprise and Picard's Enterprise wind up nose to nose inside this anomaly. Jeez, if there if that happened when there were gas anomalies at your house, man, that would be crazy. <laughs> but the reason I bring it up is that that book is largely about Zephram Cochran, and it fills in like all of his backstory, and it's it's like a prequel slash sequel to this episode because. I can't remember how. This is what got me thinking about it. Was you were saying, you know, why why didn't you know Kirk leave them a ship? Somehow they get off that planet together. I remember that much of that book anyway. That both Cochrane and the companion do leave the planet, but I I really can't remember much of that book now. It's been so long. I mean, I read it when it was new, and that was like what, like ninety three or yeah. something like, which was ironically the same year that that guy died. The actor that played Cochran. Um, but anyway, I remember it being a really good book. I, I need to dig it out and read it again one of these days. But that's another one of those things. And, and not to you know beat a dead horse, but it's another one of those reasons I really don't like First Contact because the moment that movie came out, put the lie to that book. You know, and it's like, well, why why did they do that when that book so nicely set this character up and gave him an actual story and a continuation? Then they put this movie out that just completely ignores all of that and goes in a completely different direction and a very poor one in my opinion but anyway i, I was just curious if you'd ever read that book because no, it actually uh, is a really solid star trek book 
I'm more curious to read it now, especially since it's got Cochrane in it. So, yeah, it's it's good, and you know the part where uh, where the Enterprises meet. Of course, that was you know that was the the big moment of that book that everybody was looking forward to, and it's not quite what we all wanted, but it's it's pretty damn cool. You know, when the two Enterprises actually meet, that mm-hmm. was pretty that was pretty interesting. But. That's about all I, get, I think I have on this one. I do like this episode. I like I, I it a lot. It's actually one of the better ones. It's got a religious reference in it, even where the where you find out, or at least you find out that the the companion is religious in some way. Yeah. Where it makes reference of I can't, you know, bring people back to life or save lives. That's only for the creator of all things. Right. Which hints at there's if you have a religion, that's usually you had some sort of society that figured that out and and hammered it out so there might be a whole bunch of companions somewhere mm-hmm. very true I wonder about that but she's stuck well you know Star Trek had a lot of the last energy creatures on the planet <laughs> stories this well, one and Spock, next gen Spock wants to explore that too, and Kirk just yeah. completely shoots him down. Right, we don't have time for that. No, oh, whatever. We got to get off the planet. <laughs> Even though it doesn't matter now that the that, that uh, the the diplomats done that was their mission. Now it's now it's be like, yeah, sure, dude, take a take a walk around. I'm gonna, you know, get a nice little tan here. <laughs> well. Say we take a little break. We'll come back with the uh, with the second half of the show. Unless you got anything more on this one. Nah, I got nothing. Alright. Once again. Well then, uh, Scott, can you do me a favor? What's that? I've got an episode coming. Let's see. It's called Magnus Remembers uh, Superman Returns, so uh, don't listen to that episode. It, this is all kind of, it's all part of my Superman Begins like miniseries that, I, that I'm that uh, i going through, or was going through. This is all part of the uh, lead up to Man of Steel coming out on Blu-ray, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, I've got two little interludes. Uh, the first... Lucy, shut the f*** up! <laughs> Sorry about that, it's the dog. <laughs> Prentice Magnus punches reality at twotruefreaks.com. Discussion about comics, movies, and TV shows. Prentice Magnus punches reality every Tuesday at twotruefreaks.com. No animals were harmed in the making of this promo. Welcome back to Star Trek Monthly Monday, TOS edition number 57. And we're going to get into the DC Comics portion of the show and to bring you the wonderful, well-thought-out, well-written synopsis, Mr. Chris Honeywell. You're writing some checks that I might not be able to cash there. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We got Star Trek Volume 1, number 41. Cover by, I don't know his first name because I'm just getting it off the cover, Brzezowski and Lewis. I want to say Cal 
Kyle Brzezowski, but that's just because I'm thinking of a South Park character. <laughs> right. Um, oh, what is Brzezowski's first name? But it's, uh, I, think he, I think he did covers to some of the Marvel ones, too, if I'm not mistaken, but I can't remember what the hell his first name is. And uh, it's the August 1987 edition. 75 cent still under a dollar. Um, of course, we've got the the um, art team is the usual uh, cast of and crew: uh, Tom Sutton pencils, Ricardo Villagraninks, and Augustin Moss letters, um, and uh, Michelle Wolfman colorist, Bob Greenberger Ed. That's editor, but that's you know, special Ed, special Ed, and we have a new writer, which sort of made me go yes <laughs> <laughs> awesome let's see what happens here so we've got michael carlin as as our new writer and he's... longtime superman editor although that hadn't happened yet at this point okay or, or had it what year is this 87 uh yeah he might have been i forget michael bailey would know for sure he might have mm-hmm. come on by this time but michael bailey's probably yelling at his, at his speakers <laughs> right now or his headphones just yelling it out into into his workspace. <laughs> going, God, those dumbasses don't know that. Yeah, exactly. Throwing a box of staplers across the. Wall. <laughs> God damn it, Gardner! <laughs> Everybody's standing around, going, "Nobody here named Gardner." So okay, so this story is called "What Goes Around." And uh, a cargo ship carrying Andorian jewels is raided by Orion pirates who talk pretty much like Brooklyn dock workers. They capture, they capture the bridge just as the captain sends out a distress call. Meanwhile, the Enterprise is holding the Crewman's Olympics, where Bearclaw is whooping the hell out of Konam, the world's wimpiest pussified Klingon ever, getting soundly defeated by an Earthman. And so after after soundly beating Conan, instead of a sportsman-like hand up, Conan, Conan gets a boot to the head. So Kirk's had just about enough and busts him down to a trainee and Chekhov's security crew. And Chekhov's pretty, pretty uh, pissed at his conduct too. So later as uh, Scotty is discussing basically because of repairs done from damage in earlier episodes... The ship's going to be at half power for a while, you know, before he can put the final Fratsum Rats in the Jeffrey's tube and, uh, you know, get it on, get the ship on. So, uh, they'll be at half power for a little while, and, uh, Chekhov brings his trainees into a tour of engineering, and guess what? Bearclaw's being arrogant and slightly racist. Surprise, surprise, suddenly there's a yellow alert! And Chekhov uh, informs or uh, instructs Bearclaw to follow him up to the bridge, where they are picking up the freighter's distress call. They warp to the ship, but two pirate vessels have blocked them, and they're ca- or well, it's a pirate vessel with the with the um, with the other ship in tow, and and they tell uh, Kirk that uh, the Enterprise had better just back off, Buckaroo. So uh, they have the freighter's crew as hostage, and they're going to kill him off if, if these guys keep messing with him. So Bearclaw is ready to fight, but Kirk reroutes energy to the deflector shields instead. 
Kirk has Scotty try to beam up all the hostages while he backs away, but not fast enough as the Orions open fire. Since they're low on power, Kirk orders no phasers so Scotty can recover the prisoners. Chekhov has to physically restrain Bearclaw from firing the phasers anyway. Once most of the hostages are aboard, Kirk organizes a boarding crew and leaves Bearclaw at the trigger again, and uh, his phaser finger is definitely itching. The Orions are on to Kirk, and they fire. Bearclaw immediately fires back, draining all the Enterprise power. Scotty squeezes up a Jeffrey's tube, restoring power but getting a nice little electric 200 million volt jolt. And uh, Kirk beams up all the rest of the hostages and sends over their boarding party, capturing all the, the pirates. So uh, Kirk heads out to check on Scotty and and basically, you know, just puts Bearclaw on reprimand, leaving him to... to um, Chekhov's discretion and sort of hinting that this is like your one get out of jail free card ever, which if I recall correctly, I think Bearclaw's gotten quite a few get out of jail cards um, in, in, in the past in this. But Scotty, you know, is feeling much better and uh, being slightly less forgiving drives his fist into Bearclaw's douchey racist gut. The awesome end. <laughs> yeah, the awesome end to an otherwise kind of yeah, story, but the payoffs just... all worth it, man. That's yep, what this. It is. That's what this discussion, I imagine, is going to be all about. Yep, I can forgive a whole lot of other problems with this story by the fact that Scotty just. <laughs> yep. I always think of Scotty as Randy. <laughs> And he's just like, oh, I'll show you how to deal with this guy. <laughs> right in the gut. Just yep. blam. By the way, I looked it up real quick because it was bugging me. Mike Carlin, Superman family editor from 1987 to 1996. And he actually wow. won an Eisner for best editor in uh, 1994. So there you go. Holy cow. See, I can Wikipedia with the best. That's a long them. run, man. Yeah, it was. It was good, though. During his run, Superman was awesome. Anyway, getting back to this one. Oh, my God. I I don't even know where the hell to start with this. I do have some notes, but after a while, I just had to stop taking them because it was just driving me nuts. <laughs> yeah, it's just like you're going panel to panel, I'm sure. Well, one really good thing with this one, I can't explain it, but the art took an unexpected step up. Yes. It's not awesome, but it's a hell of a lot better than it has been it's recently. It's got a lot more detail to it. Yeah, I wonder if they were getting complaints. Maybe. Because, I, I mean, that Harry Mudd two-parter, not only was the story awful, that art looked like yeah. great schoolers drew it. I mean, it was really, really bad. Whereas this, eh. It's not so, because I was reading the, the, the now I, I call them Orions myself, but Orions, Orions, Orions whatever. Orions. The first three pages... When they attacked that ship, I actually had to go back and look at the credits to see who the art team was because I I thought the art team had changed. But uh, no, it is the same art team. But yes, yeah, something something's different. They actually they it looked like they put a little bit of time and love into this one. The Enterprise has always looks really good by this team, mm -hmm. but frequently the uh, the ship interiors look like crap. But this time, not so bad. A lot, lot better. I like the captain of the the freighter. He looks sort of like one of the pod racers. From yes, 
Yeah, with the one Episode with one. the yeah. Oh God, I actually I don't knew their names yeah. at one time. I have no idea. Yeah, he I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Blibity, yeah, you're right. Blibity, blibity. All right, page four. All right, for one thing, Space Olympics. Really, <laughs> really. And then, maybe that could be a cartoon what? show, Enterprise Olympics. <laughs> what kind of pussy Klingon? Gets beaten. All right, this would be like Chakotay versus Worf, right? Worf wins. All right, can we all just agree yes, on this? Yes. Chakotay is not going to kick Worf's no. ass. No. Phys- so physically, a human on? is just not a match for for a Klingon. It's just not. I mean, not that it, that you couldn't win because we've seen we've seen humans beat up Klingons before, but come on to the to, to that point, and then. I don't know actually if he gave him a boot to the head or if he just gave his ridge a little rake, but man, how can you get away with being such a jerk in this uni- you know, in this time period, you know, and keep getting, oh, I'm just going to bump you down. Ah, well, you know, here's, we'll give you a warning. Why didn't Kirk beat this guy? Why is it? That was brick? my first, yeah, that was my first thought is when, when uh, yeah, I want to call he's him out Dakota. of control. <laughs> he's literally out yeah. of control. When Bearclaw kicks him in the face, I'm surprised that it's not Kirk who jumps his shit instead of Chekhov. And yeah. Kirk kind of uh, actually almost seems like he comes to his defense. Like, hey, hey, hey! Before you whoop his ass, you go take a shower and calm down, and we'll discuss. And I'm like, no, that's not Kirk. It's, Kirk could be over there like, what the hell, mister? You know, yeah, ready? you don't remember all the other incidents with this guy being, you know, a jerk to people of other races, you know, literally other, like, planet races. <laughs> and and actually he was being sort of racist against uh, Chekhov and mildly. Mm-hmm. It, it, it wasn't as bad in other ones. This one he was just portrayed as more of a general arrogant ass with, with I mean... How ma- I mean, you were in the military. I mean, how many cases of insubordination happened in this one comic alone? Well, see, that was my biggest... I had two major issues with this story. I, I think I understand what Carlin was going for. It just doesn't work for me, and I wondered if maybe it was my service that, that was making it not work for me because my two issues are Bearclaw has umpteen things he does in this story, any one of which would pretty much get him dismissed land from the service with a or, dishonorable discharge. Yeah, It'd be like, you're, you're out. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. disobeying the captain's direct order, pretty big deal. By you know? firing phasers, no. Yeah, you know? So that was a huge one. And also, now, don't get me wrong, I love it. I love the moment. <laughs> I think it's awesome. But Scotty beating him, it's a great moment, but it's pretty unreal. If this was an actual film and this happened in it, I'd have major problems with that. Because Scotty, for one thing, I don't think he's quite that hair trigger, but also he's a captain now. That's you know, that's behavior unbecoming yeah. an officer to yeah, attack is. a fellow officer. It is, and Scotty would go and Scotty would take a few drinks, go to Kirk and go, I just punched Bear Claw in the nuts. I'm here to take my take my, right. my technical <laughs> manuals because he's i mean he's ready to kill everybody when Bearclaw fires those phasers oh, he's, he's like pissed. he's yeah. blaming it on kirk he's just like those yeah. i mean he's shit talking kirk down in engineering he's like those idiots up on the bridge are 
screwing with my ship when I told him absolutely do not fire phasers. Now they're firing. Oh, and he's pissed. And he's like, I'm going up the Jeffrey's tube and fix this thing. And then I'm going to kick someone's ass. So (laughs) see, I'll take back a little bit of what I said. This scene would work for me fine. If all that was involved in the scene was Bearclaw, Scotty and McCoy to witness the thing. But the fact that it takes place in wherever the hell this is, an open corridor or whatever, with all these other people. I think it's like in the doorway of of, uh, Sick Bay. Sick Bay. So, I mean, again, that's that's behavior unbecoming an officer. And and Scotty, I think of all people, would be very aware of the fact that that sort of thing affects more than just he he and Bearclaw. That affects crew morale. It affects the way he's going to be taken as a, as an officer. You know, it's just I don't see him doing that. But at the same rate, trouble with dribbles. You know, he and well, that's different though. I mean, that was actually getting into a tussle with an enemy you know, with the Klingons. Uh-huh. I mean, it's not like he got in a fight with another Federation person there on the station. You know. Yeah, but you know what? I like those Klingons better than I like Bearclaw. So <laughs> right, nail him, Scotty. But no, I'm just saying, I, I could see this scene working for me if, if Scotty caught him like in the gym and it's just the two mm-hmm. of them. Or, or he says, hey, you know, I have a problem with you. And, and, and basically, if he starts shit with Bearclaw to get Bearclaw alone somewhere, and then he puts his fist in his stomach. That I could see. But just walking up to him in a, in a crowded hallway of the Enterprise and punching him in the gut, just... I, I just don't quite see it, but it, it but is an awesome. Yeah, it's moment, nice. Though. Though. It and is. You know, I, he might have gotten his kidney. That's what and knocked the wind out of him. Because right. they also mentioned that Scotty's been in quite a few tussles in his day. I like the picture of him. You know, when he's on that last page, it looks like old Shatner with a mustache. <laughs> or, he's lost some weight too. Um, yeah. <laughs> this is Star Trek Five era Scott. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, by that point he was a portly fellow. Yeah. So. But um, but I I do love that though because you can see I mean, <laughs> he's hitting him so hard I wouldn't be surprised to see like the fist coming out the back if the if the artist had drawn it that way because yeah, it does look like he's punching a hole right through it like, or stretching <laughs> out behind him like Stretch Armstrong or something. <laughs> Does Scotty ever call McCoy Bones? Bones. Um, I was trying to think about that. I think there may have been an episode where he did, but I, I couldn't quite remember. I always seem to remember him calling him Dr. McCoy. Doctor, you know, yeah. Or Doctor uh, or whatever, but yeah. Yeah, I, I saw that and I started to write it down and then I wasn't sure of my facts because I know that there's an episode, I think it's Mirror Mirror, where Scotty calls Kirk Jim, and I think that's the only mm-hmm. time he ever calls him Jim. So there, I, it was tickling my brain that there may be an episode where he calls McCoy Bones, but I just could not remember. Maybe Mike Petito yeah, remember. It just didn't seem it didn't seem natural hearing hearing him call him Bones. So yeah, yeah, that's that's what struck me about it. I was like, wait, what? Um, what else did I have? Because uh, I had... Oh, you might be able to answer this question for me. All right, where the hell was it here? Where we get to the point... I'm not sure what page it's on, but we get to a point where... Oh, here it is. It's on page nine where the crew realizes who they face and that it's the uh, the Orion pirates. Um, 
Spock says, indeed it is, Captain, an Orion space pirate, a member of the race that nearly cost me my life several years ago. And Spock, uh, Kirk says some stuff. And, oh, he says... Me uh, too, basically. When Chekhov took care of the Orion problem, we haven't heard from them in a decade. Is this a referral to the animated series? Maybe. I don't remember. I was trying to... I'm like, the comic hasn't been around long enough to be it for something from the comic, and I don't remember... Any Wasn't there space an pirates that look like that? Yeah, I, I can't remember what they look like, but I'd swear that there was a, there's an episode called something like the something something of maybe it's the Pirates of Orion. I can't remember something like that. I think isn't there? See, I'm no expert when it comes to the well, anime. Neither am I. I have to watch them all again. Yeah, I think that might be what that is. Also, I got a kick out of the fact. Let's see what page is it on. Page twelve. All right, this is another thing that drove me nuts with, uh, with Bearclaw, where where Chekhov has to physically restrain yes. him, is ridiculous. At that point, At that Chekhov, point, you are relieved. Off you know? the bridge. Oh, yep, right off the bridge. But he does. He grabs his hand to stop him. He's stopping him from grabbing the torpedo launcher, and torpedo is misspelled. You know, <laughs> <laughs> torpedo. Um, Unless like, like the Spanish... Well, we have a whole Spanish crew, it sounds like, by their names working on this. So <laughs> maybe, the you know, they, they said, okay, I'll put the... But, um, yeah, I mean, Chekhov restrains him, and then later when Kirk leaves Bearclaw in Chekhov's position, he's like, Bear, he, he's quote says, Bearclaw will be all right. There'll be no firing on our part if all goes according to my plan anyway. And then Bearclaw's sitting there, Fist clenched, hovered over the, the fire button, going, All right, Come yes, on, Orion, dirt bags, make him move, move, make him move, and his hands quivering and he's sweating. <laughs> it's just like, Is Kirk not even paying attention to this guy? Is this like one of those guys that just fades into the background when he has to? And, <laughs> And Kirk just doesn't really notice him and doesn't remember that this is a guy who's being a complete douchebag every 10 minutes on the Enterprise. <laughs> I don't care if this book is 28 years old or however many years it is. I can't do math tonight. Hey. But uh, if I see beaming through shields one more time, somebody's going to get hurt. Uh-huh. I'm just saying, because it's starting to really piss me off. You can't beam through the goddamn shields. They make a big it's repeated like umpteen times in this story about the big deal that Scotty's having such a hassle keeping the deflector shields up and everything. And then in the same instance, he's also trying to beam everybody off the other ship with the transporter. And it's like, okay, it's one or the other. You can't have it both ways. It's well established by this point that you can't do that. And it just uh, makes me crazy when you get a writer in that doesn't understand the, the, even the basic things you know, the basic tenets of how the ship works. That just that sort of thing always makes me a little crazy. Same thing with the uh, with the view screen. Is the damn thing on or is it off? Because <laughs> it's on when they're talking to the guy, and then it's off where they have all these little side conversations. And then on page 15, it's on again when the Orion's on the screen and yelling at Kirk. So it's like, what is, what's going on here? Are they turning it off? And on and off and on. They might be just so they can't hear them talk or something. <laughs> just guess. being rude because they're pirates and they don't have to be that diplomatic. And weren't they right in the middle of beaming 
when they lost power. Uh oh. <laughs> well, right. You know, Cause Scott and all the hostages the... died. Then I guess. <laughs> so Scotty's in the middle of beaming all those people off the enemy ship. And he was going to send Chekhov and his security team over to the ship. Bearclaw uses the phasers and knocks the power out. Well, Scotty never took a break. He was at hard at work the whole time. Mm-hmm. So he was either working on beaming from or beaming to right when the power goes off. So what happens if that happens? Do they just stay in the buffer or do they all go yeah! like in the most picture and they all die? You know, how does that work? Because as soon as the power comes back on. Well, apparently, they, if either that or they just didn't, they changed the count of how many people were there. Because he eventually goes, okay, we got them all now, you know, so. Right. So, I, again, I think it's mm-hmm. one of those things you weren't supposed to think about. Or maybe the writer himself didn't even uh, think maybe about Maybe he doesn't have his Star Trek space legs yet. But, you know. as soon as the power comes back on, the beaming resumes. The, the, the mm-hmm. rest of the hostages beam out and the good guys beam in. So, I guess theoretically maybe there's a thing in the enterprise that hey by the way if somebody kicks the cord out mm-hmm. then if we're in the middle of beaming <laughs> you know it just keeps them in the buffer you know which would, that'd be a great little security feature if that really because that would suck you know you walk up and go hey scotty beam me down to the planet you're right in the middle of it and all of a sudden they have a power failure you die that would suck so yeah i could see that being an actual you know handy dandy backup feature of well the if thing they can buffer you, you then that means they could put you on a hard drive and back you up yep so then if you like See, have, get a rock you, dropped on you then they can just like beam you know beam you beam you up from the last time you were beaming up and you might beam up sometime and everybody's like all weird and it's like what's wrong with all you guys and it's See, that's 10 years of past I, or something that's something I wish that they had tackled in, in Star Trek. And they toyed with the idea a couple of times in Next Gen because we saw that happen in the episode with Dr. Um, Pulaski where she was dying of old age, remember? Mm-hmm. And they used some sort of old pattern mm-hmm. to restore her to youth. And they do that sort of thing uh, now and again. They, they toy with that idea of there's a, a pattern of you in the, in the, you know, in the transporter whatever right but have you ever seen the one where scotty comes on next gen not yet okay see i don't want to spoil it for you but again running with much that same idea that there's a buffer so that's that's basically how they were able to bring him to the show but like i said i don't want to spoil it for you if you haven't seen it because that that's one of my favorites that's a great show well really the last thing i had on this one was uh i i again i think i see what carlin was running for i think he was basically taking an amalgamation of do you remember these characters there was a guy called styles who was a racist he was the racist asshole in um the one where they're playing submarine battle with the romulans what the Mm. hell's the name of that balance of terror Mm -hmm. he was the, the racist guy on the bridge that was giving spock a hard time until spock finally saved his life and then they liked each other remember Mm-hmm. And then there was Bailey, who was the guy that freaks out during the Corbomite maneuver that Kirk eventually took him over to meet Baylock on the other ship and left him there as like the envoy. And I can see Bearclaw being kind of an amalgamation of those two characters. You know, he's he's uh, he's an asshole and he's a racist and he's a bit of a um, xenophobe, but it just goes too far. 
you know, use those elements, but keep it within the realm of believability. And this goes way beyond the realm of the the, the, fear, the mere fact that Kirk would go, you know what? I'm going to give you one more. No, 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 no. He had the one more chance and three more of them in this actual issue. Just in this issue, yeah. Yeah. So why Kirk continue? has dressed him down personally before in other issues? Right. Yeah. So, no, this guy has had, he's had his opportunity. I'm hoping what it is is the new writers, like, I hate that Bear Claw character. I'm just going to write a story to make you hate him so much, and then I'm going to have somebody just, like, drop him at the end. Mm -hmm. It would have been better if they just dropped him into space or something like that. But I'll I'll take Scotty punching him. For some reason, I really like that it's Scotty that punches him, too. See, I can't remember how many issues we have left of this series. I want to say there's not too many. And I know that one of the mandates of, you know, because this series will end and then they launch the Baxter series, you know, where it was on the nicer, you know, the deluxe format series. And when they launched that, one of the mandates from Paramount, the parent company, was no more of these other characters, no more of these second tier made up guys, bear claw and all the, you know, Conom and all those. That's why they were just like unceremoniously dropped. But having never read, I mean, this is my first time reading this issue in particular, but I mean, I've never read beyond this point. So I don't know how the series ends. So I'm thinking one of two things is going to happen, hopefully with bear claw. And again, I don't know. So I'm thinking either he's going to get some sort of redemption storyline where we find out, hey, he ain't such a bad guy after all. Or hopefully he'll wind up in, like falling into a space meat grinder or mm-hmm. something, and that'll be the end of him. But So I'm not sure which I would enjoy more, to be honest. Meat grinder. I, I, I vote like meat, the meat grinder. grinder one. Yeah, I, I've seen the redemption story plenty enough. Yeah, yeah I, I want to see him get you know mangled. Yeah, by no, something. he's had his chance. <laughs> we are sadistic assholes. Oh, he's a douche. <laughs> he is a douche. <laughs> I say we drop him into space. <laughs> I say we let go. Shut up, you. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. So, you know what? I don't think you even have to bother pulling out the randomizer this no, month. No, I was going to say the it's... same thing. We're on the same oh, wavelength. Good. Yeah, go ahead. I, I think I know what you were going to say. Because yeah, you do. last month I kind of screwed up and uh, and the randomizer came up with the, the sh- um, immunity syndrome. Uh-huh. Which I got confused with the deadly years. Remember, because Chekhov didn't age because he got like, because he's a little girl and he right. screamed and right. got scared and, and cried. See, I thought you would have gotten confused with like, say like, because there's the, the immunity syndrome, the paradise syndrome, and uh-huh. then this side of paradise. Yes. <laughs> it's easy to get screwed up when so many titles are very similar like that. So when you were doing that and you kept hitting the button, while I was listening to the episode, I was going along with you going, oh, did we do that one or did we not? You know, And each time until you got to immunity and then I knew, I was like, no, 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 I know that episode. That's the one with the giant amoeba. We have not done that episode. And so when you were like, no, nah, we've done that one, I was like, damn it, no, we haven't. So No, no. <laughs> so I think that's what we should do. I think that that I think that put a uh, uh, a kink in the time-space continuum, so we're going to have to do a little time travel work and go back and straighten that out, or the butterfly effect will affect all future Star Trek Monthly Mondays. 
Oh, by the way, I want to shout out a big uh, thank yous to our buddy Sean Engel, who sent me a master list that he composed yeah. of what we have done and what we have not done so when it comes handy. to track. So yeah, it was really. Uh, did he send you one as well? Yes. Because if he didn't, I'll send you a copy. No, of I it. got a copy of it. Yeah, very very handy. So thank you, Sean. No, he doesn't mess I'm around, man. We both lazy. got one. <laughs> <laughs> So that was awesome because, yeah, we're at that point now because of the way that we have elected to do this show in random order. I'm just at a point where pff, <laughs> I don't know what the hell we've done and what we have with some of them. So and I mean, plus, we've been doing it now, what, over five years. So, there, you know, some of the earliest ones that we did, I just, yeah, I remember, you know, we'll end up doing them over again if somebody doesn't keep track of us. So <laughs> It would be really funny to see how similarly they came out. Yeah. That, w- that actually would be fun to actually do one completely over again that we had done way back when and see. See if anybody We're notices. Com- Some, a completely couple people new- will definitely notice. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. But, yeah, to see if it came out completely dissimilar or if we said the mm-hmm. same stupid shit we said the last time. That would be fun. <laughs> I'm betting on the latter. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I know that I often repeat myself. so I, That's one of the things that makes me probably that's probably the thing that makes me the most surprised that we have the listeners that we do because i know that i repeat myself and tell the same stories all the time and everything but apparently they love it so there you go hey (laughs) i you know i'm 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 possibly way more guilty of that than you so (laughs) if or or you know maybe they do you know maybe they just fast forward through those parts you know but ah, Grandpa's telling his stories there again. There he goes. Yeah, yeah, I know how this one comes up. <laughs> Hesh pukes all over everything. And Hey, did you happen to see the most beautiful cloud on this world? And if you did,
Sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode. With your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy. And there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2TrueFreaks at the same time. Welcome to Amazon. I love you. Visit our brand new website at 2TrueFreaks.com. 2TrueFreaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Join our forum at ForumForGeeks.com, where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find 2TrueFreaks on Facebook. Just search for 2TrueFreaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook, too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook, too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True True Freaks. Freaks.